interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. This is Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Good Saturday morning. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday. Stu Kearns, your host. Glad to have you along. Uh, we are into February. Winter is going to fly by, and baseball season is right around the corner. So uh, I hope you're with me, that whether it's uh, whether you need a blanket or not, if they're playing baseball, I'm going to be out there. And, uh, and uh, I, I want to give you this one pitch here. Uh, I don't care how cold it is. You got to get outside. You need fresh air. Go for a walk. Bundle up. Where? Hey, that mask could come in handy. It'll keep your face warm. So get out there and do something. Uh, I am so uh, privileged today to have in studio with me uh, the bishop of the Lincoln Diocese, Bishop uh, James Connolly. Good morning. Good morning, Stu. How are you? It's good uh, to be back with you again. Oh, it's great. It's great. Great to visit with you again, and uh, great to have you on the air. Um, it's it's been a little while. It has, yeah. But um, I want to re- just refresh the the listeners a little bit about how we met. And I was, and I I thought it was I didn't know if it was actually an installation service, but I knew it was a service specifically designed for people like me, so that if if you're not Roman Catholic, you're, there's you're, there's a place for you. Right. And, there was a uh, pew for you. There was a pew for me. That was kind of I did not expect that. I you know it's so funny. I don't know if I told you this. But when when they when I received the invitation, I thought, oh, well, that's nice. You know, they'll have their thing. And then for guys like me, they'll bring them into the basement and we'll have a little punch and cookies or something like that. I had no idea that every priest in the diocese and the whole, it was packed out at yeah. the cathedral. And, uh, and so I was, I was a bit overwhelmed. <laughs> but that was a cool event. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it doesn't happen very often. And it was 10 years ago, by the way. 10 years. 10 years ago in November. So I just yeah. celebrated my 10th anniversary as the Bishop of Lincoln. And whenever a bishop is installed into a new diocese, it's a major event. And so we mm-hmm. invite uh, you know, not only all representation from all the parishes throughout the diocese, which in our case is south, southern Nebraska from Colorado border to the Iowa border, mm. um, 20, 25,000 square miles, but also we, we invite other leaders from other faith mm-hmm. traditions and civic leaders, mm-hmm. uh, politicians, anybody who is a leader in the community, yeah. and you were one. So well, uh, we were happy to have you. I was honored to be there. And uh, that was, I, I, you know, again, that was a brief, a brief chat, I think, of after that, uh, wasn't long after that, that we had a conversation about the fact that we do have our differences. We're, <laughs> you're, you're still a Roman Catholic bishop. I'm still a Presbyterian pastor. But by golly, we have a ton in common. We do. And uh, not just our, our love for Jesus, but uh, some of the way that we look at the culture and things that are happening around us. And, uh, and that's, I like to celebrate that. I think we need to celebrate that. We do. We do, yeah. because I think we tend, you know, to be even more and more, I think, today, kind of, kind of we, we end up going up off into our own tribes, you know, mm-hmm. sort of tribalism, you know, and, and when really we need to be together. You know, we yeah. need to be together and we know that we're not all alone and isolated in our own silos, but we're all, you know, together as, as the body of Christ and as, you know, people and men and women who want to to live their lives and, and to share their lives with others and to mm-hmm. be part of a, a larger thing than ourselves. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's funny, 10 years ago we were talking about, hey, some crazy things are happening in our culture. And we, again, we, I, I think my views are almost identical to your views on almost all these cultural issues. And uh, little did we know 10 years ago that things were going to get even 
crazier than we thought. That's right. That's right. You know, it, uh, we, right. We, 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 um, you know, we, we, we hold dearly, you know, religious freedom, mm-hmm. the practice uh, that, that yeah. we are living in a country that honors that and respects that so we can each practice our faith and not only practice it in worship, but also to take our beliefs and face out into the public square and share yeah. them with others, yeah. respecting everybody's opinions. Uh, we we're, we're very strong in the importance of the family, marriage, mm-hmm. and the family, mm-hmm. um, and how you know civilization cultures pass through the family, um, mm-hmm. and then you know the life issues, both yeah. at the very beginning of life and at the end of life, that we believe life is sacred and yeah. we should be protected and uh, do all we can to promote life in mm-hmm. all its stages and all its dependencies. So I think you know those issues; those are big issues, yeah. you know, and uh, and we all, you know, we're on the same page on those issues. And I think that uh, for for whatever reason, you know, the, the the culture and society tends to, I think, um, you know, uh, oppose some of these and and and, and mm-hmm. you know attacks really attacks these things uh, mm-hmm. for for whatever reason. But that seems you're right. I agree. It seems like <laughs> things are you know kind of more chaotic today than they were ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, there. It, it certainly seems that way. We're we're both glad that uh, God has a plan and he does. He's, he's working His plan in history. But this is this is uh, it's it's sometimes mysterious, isn't it? It is. We yeah. don't see, we don't see the whole picture. You know, I like to think of it as sort of a tapestry. On one side, you know, everything looks confused and chaotic, where all the threads are going every which way. You turn mm. it around, and that's the side God sees. Mm. You see this beautiful. Uh, illustration of of his providence and, mm. and and that's what we have to keep thinking that there is a plan here yeah. in God and we just mean to be faithful yes that's <laughs> yes amen by the way one of the things we bonded over fairly quickly there was uh, running because uh, I uh, realized you were, you run long distance races and again I I use the term run loosely I you know whatever yeah. Whatever the line is between jogging and running. Right. And so I do the same thing. And I remember seeing you uh, praying with uh, some of your flock there before the Lincoln Marathon. And uh, and so that's that's been another thing that we've kind of shared a little bit together there. Right. In fact, we've we've seen each other at some of the different events. It was the half sea or the half marathon, you know, and yep. they're at the finish line, uh, you know, yep. after we've gone through this. And I've, yep. I've been runner. I've run ever since I was in college and uh, off and on more. Uh, and sometimes in my life and others, um, and it's I always find it a great uh, way to um, kind of refresh my body to keep in shape, obviously, mm-hmm. but also to get ideas, you know, yeah. to kind of um, come up with things. I you know try to solve problems that I'm thinking of, and yeah. it's just been a great outlet for me. And I know we share that in common, and it's a it's a good thing, you know, as as. As we both get a little older, we're not running as fast as we used to run. <laughs> That's correct. But I'm not, you know, I'm not going to break any records. Never was going to break any records. Yeah, uh, same here. You know, it's like it's funny. I I think about even like when I was 18. You know, it's like yeah, I, I was never, I wasn't fast then. Why would I be fast now? Right. Yeah. There, uh, there is something I, I'd love to hear you say it because I say it a lot that people don't understand that um, how. Uh, getting out and having a run is a part of my, it's almost a spiritual discipline. Uh, the, the, uh, I'm, I'm praying, I'm thinking about what God is doing in my life. And it really, uh, uh, when I'm not doing that, uh, I really miss it. Uh, you know, you're, you're seeing the birds and the trees and the sky and you're, 
and your and the kind of the glories of God and then of His creation and and then praying and thinking and and it sounds like it works that way somewhat for you too. Yeah, I like what you said at the beginning. You know, even in this cold weather, get out and go walk around the block. Yeah, you know, even if it's a five minute walk around the ten minute walk around the block to get out into you know the beauty of God's creation, but also to to get in contact with real things yeah. like the sky and the ground and the grass and the snow. Trees, leaves, birds, mm-hmm. all those kind of things. We can we can uh, kind of isolate ourselves from all that, and you yeah. know, and be in front of a screen. And I, we all spend time in front of screens, but you know, it's uh, it's inevitable. We have to. But um, yeah. but you know, it's just good to get out and 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 to get out into the elements because yeah. we're meant to be in contact with real things. Absolutely, and real people, and real people. Right? Exchange. That- yeah. Exactly. We'll, we'll talk about COVID a little bit more, but uh, how did you do with screens and Zoom and all that kind of stuff? That I, I do it, but I must admit, I do not like it. No, it's not the same thing. It's, 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 it's the, the best we can do when we're not able to be in person, but there's no substitute for an encounter with another human being. In fact, I think technology uh, really has to have it as its goal um, to to lead us to a personal encounter with the other, with another person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's great to use Zoom meetings when we can't be together instead of not having a meeting, um, or even with our families. If we yeah. can uh, you know, get together with our families who live on the other side of the country, that's all great. But that's not a substitute for the real thing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a two-edged sword. You know, it's it's a two-edged sword. It's good, but then also it's not it's not enough. Yeah, it is. That, it's just not enough. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. We're gonna slide into our first break here, and then uh, we have so much to talk about. But one of the things I want to talk about was your relationship to Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, and uh, he was at uh, three weeks ago or about a four weeks. Yes, ago? Yes, he, he he died on the on Christmas Eve. Oh, oh no, New Year's Eve. Sorry, New Year's, New Year's Eve, Eve, the thirty-first so, of December. Yeah, so between four and five weeks ago. And uh, and uh, most of us don't have a window into what things are like uh, at the Vatican, and or uh, uh, they they may not have a, a great recollection of what Pope Benedict was about. And I'd love to talk about that a little bit. We'll talk about some other things too. Uh, sound good? Yeah, great. It sounds wonderful. All right. It's a friendly fire Saturday. Uh, talking with uh, Bishop James Connolly here of the Lincoln Diocese. Glad to have you along. You're listening to the Voice of Lincoln, fourteen hundred and ninety nine three KLIN. Keeping the topics lively and the conversation civil. This is Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. We are back. It's Friendly Fire Saturday here talking with uh, Bishop James Connolly here of the Lincoln Diocese. And uh, before the break, I was mentioning that uh, you had a more of a relationship with Pope Benedict than uh, I would assume any other pope. Uh, tell me about that relationship and, and what how you connected uh, with the previous uh, Pope Emeritus who uh, uh, went to be with the Lord uh, about uh, five weeks ago-ish? Right, right. Yeah, Pope yeah. Benedict, uh, also known as Cardinal Ratzinger most of his life before right. he was named Pope and uh, chose another name. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, had, uh, um, I, I spent 10 years of my life uh, from 1996 to 2006 serving in the Vatican to five-year stints there, back-to-back. And I worked in the what's called the Congregation for the Bishops. Now it's called the Dicastery of the Bishops. Mm-hmm. Um, and helped the Pope, in that time, John Paul II, um, who was Pope for 27 years, most of our lifetime. Mm. Um, 
to help the Pope in the selection of new bishops around the world. And I worked at the English desk. There were three of us, and we covered a lot of the English-speaking dioceses around the world, the United States, Canada, Australia, Philippines, other and uh, the, the in England, Ireland, Scotland, and Wales, and and we it, we were just you know we we helped to assemble documentation because in the Catholic Church the Pope chooses every new bishop, mm-hmm. and um, so uh, I I did that for about ten years, um, and uh, the, the 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 kind of sister congregation or sister department to ours was the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith which is a, a department in the Vatican which oversees the teaching of the church around the world mm. um, and the doctrine and discipline of, of Catholic practice. And the head of that congregation was Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger. Mm. And um, I remember when I came to work, um, I met him for the first time because our two departments worked a lot together. And so my boss, which was a wonderful African cardinal, Cardinal Gantine, and Cardinal Ratzinger worked a lot together um, in those days. And so we would often have meetings, you know, and, of course, I was the guy running around making sure everybody's water glass was full and <laughs> making copies for people and things like that. Um, but it, just to hear them talk and discuss certain uh, issues in the church, important issues facing challenges facing the Catholic Church in, in the world, and I got to see him in action a lot. And he was such uh, an inspiration. He was uh, in German, um, and but he was multi. He's a polyglot. He could speak all the different languages. Wow. He could easily kind of synthetically move from one language to the next in a meeting where he had you know bishops there from all over the world. He had to be able to speak in all the different languages. Mm. And um, I remember him conducting meetings where he would just listen to everyone. And then he would summarize what was discussed in just you know beautiful, clear, concise summary. He, you could, you could, he was a giant of an intellect. He was a theologian mm-hmm. and a professor in, in, mm-hmm. in Germany before he came to Rome. Mm-hmm. And he wrote many books on theology and scripture. He was a scripture scholar. And so he had a tremendous intellect, but he also had that ability to kind of synthesize things mm-hmm. and to be able to kind of put things together and then summarize them and explain them to people. And oftentimes he he's you know he he's he's kind of he was described as sort of the the doctrinal enforcer uh, of the church. Um and in a certain sense I suppose that department is in charge of of overseeing the the true teachings of the church and in discovering error and pointing it out. But he was by by no means uh, uh he was he was not at all a harsh figure he was very gentle and kind and compassionate and he was he faced challenges and he was able to deal with very difficult issues but he did it in such a gentle way um firm clear but also very gentle and so uh, that's the cardinal ratzinger that's the pope benedict i remember the most and then i had the privilege uh of while i was working in rome towards the end of my time there in 2005 uh I was there for the death of, of John Paul II, now St. John Paul II, canonized in the church. Um, that was on April 2nd of 2005. And then on the, um, I believe it was, uh, I can't remember the exact date, but about a month later, um, Pope Benedict was elected, the mm-hmm. successor of, of John Paul II. And I was there in the piazza when the white smoke went up <laughs> from the Sistine Chapel, and he stepped out onto the loggia for the very first time. And, and, um, and you know, I was so overjoyed because I, I knew the man. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I ended up um, 
working about another year, a little over a year, uh, under his pontificate. Mm. So those 10 years um, were really um, um, a wonderful time for me in my life. And then serving under him as Pope Benedict um, until his resignation and, mm-hmm. and then his 10 years. <laughs> he was almost, uh, I think, longer uh, a Pope Emeritus than he was Pope. Now, has that happened? Uh, I can't recall if that had happened before the Pope Emeritus. No, it only it ha- only happened maybe about six hundred years ago. Okay. <laughs> so, so, so it doesn't happen too often. Not in recent memory. Not in recent memory. Yeah. Not in recent memory. It was very unusual for him to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, he felt that was what the Lord was calling him to step down. He didn't have um, the strength and energy to lead um, the church uh, as he had been. And so, in two thousand thirteen, I remember that very well. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, that was just ten years ago coming up mm. i remember it was february 11th of 2013 so this will be the um the 10th anniversary wow. of his resignation yeah. remember i was on my way to nebraska city and heard it on the radio probably was on klin <laughs> announcing that the pope uh, had resigned yeah. and it shocked everybody yeah. Um, yeah and then and then of course then he just passed away um at the very end last day of the year uh this uh, this last year of 2022 every every pope chooses their name and what's the what was the significance of of choosing to be pope benedict well it's interesting that was that kind of shocked people too benedict the 16th there were two Mm -hmm. reasons he explained why he chose that name one is saint benedict who is the founder of western monasticism who was famous for um sort of reviving the church in a period of time at the fall of the roman empire Mm -hmm. the church kind of went underground during the persecution and then these monks would gather and they would pray and study and hold on to the faith during a difficult time. Um, and the Benedictine order still exists today, a contemplative men and women who devote themselves entirely to prayer. So he, he saw a great, um, uh, a great inspiration from St. Benedict. And then uh, the last Benedict, Benedict XV, was the Pope during the time between World War one in World War Two, mm. and he was a great pope of, of peace mm. and tranquility, and, and trying to keep, um, you know, keep a peaceful uh, relationship with with states, and and so he was attracted to that uh, a pope mm. of peace. So those were the two two reasons why he chose the name Benedict. Gotcha, gotcha. Now the Vatican is described as its own city state, uh, something like that. Uh, for those of us like myself who've never been there. Um, how would you describe it in, uh, in terms of just its appearance, its size, and the way that it, uh, the way that it functions as a city-state? It is. It's, it's, it's a sovereign country with its own government. It's very small. I think it's around 590 acres. Um, mm. Now, it was much larger. Uh, during the 19th century, the, the, the papal states, as they were called, really comprised most of the central part of Italy. Mm. Um, but then during the Resurgimento, which was a reorganization um, of the country of Italy uh, to become one country and not a bunch of city-states, mm. um, the, the church gave up a lot of its property. And in the Lateran Treaty, which was finally, finally signed in 1929, they established, uh, kind of reduced everything down to the Vatican. Mm-hmm. And and there's some other territory in the city of Rome that are part of Vatican territory, but mainly it's this 500, 600 acres there, which we know as the Vatican. And that became sort of the, the what was left of what the church held as far as uh, mm-hmm. property and 
real estate, and that 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 is has been and always has been the the kind of central headquarters of the church, mm. and it operates as a country. It's got a, it's, it's got its governor and it's got its uh, you know representatives. There's not too many people who live in the Vatican, <laughs> um, but it still operates as. And we have representation. I think the the church has a hundred and ninety uh, embassies around the world, including mm. our own country. Um, it was always a delegation, but it became a embassy under Ronald Reagan, President Ronald Reagan. Mm. And so, in fact, one of our priests uh, works at the Apostolic Nuncio Church called, it's the embassy, the Vatican Embassy to the United States, uh, Father Christopher Goodwin, who mm. is uh, a pastor here in, in the Diocese of Lincoln. He now is on staff there as one of the secretaries. So, um, so it has representation in countries all over the world to mm. represent not only the Pope to a given country, but also to represent the given country back to the church to keep good relations, um, to promote peace and harmony in, in those regions. So, And then it's also sort of the central administrative headquarters of the church. So everything from Catholic education to Catholic health care um, to the naming of new bishops uh, to um, religious life, missionary work, yeah. those kinds of things are all headquartered there. Yeah, yeah. All right. We're going to take our second break. When we come back, uh, I want to tie up a couple of loose questions I had. Sometimes us Protestants have questions about uh, absolutely about process and titles and so forth. And then I want to get into some more uh, some personal stuff that both of us have gone through together. If that's okay, fine, thanks. All right, let's take another break. It's a friendly fire Saturday here on the Voice of Lincoln, fourteen hundred and ninety nine three KLIN. Interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns. 1499.3 KLIN. We are back. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday talking with Bishop James Connolly here of the Lincoln Diocese. And uh, just to wrap up, one loose end from the previous section. Um, now, uh, churches have different, uh, you know, all around the globe have different uh, uh, church government structures. I gotta, I gotta not say the churchy words. I gotta say that <laughs> everybody knows the words, and so we all know about congregational churches are run by the congregation and so forth. Presbyterian churches are run by the elders. Um, uh, you've got then the Episcopal churches, which would include, uh, although and it sounds weird to say that the Catholic Church has an Episcopal system, but the Catholic Church, the Anglican Church, the Episcopal Church, the Methodist Church. Mm-hmm. Most of the Lutheran churches have kind of an Episcopal system where the uh, pastors then are overseen regionally by someone like yourself, a bishop. So uh, what's, how do we go? So we've got pastor, bishop, archbishop? Correct. That would be the next. And then an archbishop is just over a region of bishops? Correct. Okay, and then... Car- well, an archbishop is over, actually, an archbishop would be over, in, in a certain sense, a, a province. Okay. So it could be a number of dioceses. But primarily, he's responsible for his own archdiocese. Gotcha. And then and then next would be a cardinal? The cardinal, right? That would be an, an, another designation, cardinal. Okay. And then, and then, is that? Yeah, then the pope. That's it. And then pope. Okay. And it's among the, then when the, the new pope is elected... The College of Cardinals, or whatever that was, correct. Is that correct. They uh, pray and have, you know, the a, a process. Uh, the conclave. There you go. The, the yeah, yeah, the, the conclave. Conclave. And so they're, uh, and then they, uh, if they haven't come to a conclusion, they release the black smoke, and when they finally uh, believe the spirit has led them to uh, a, a a proper conclusion, then we get the white smoke and we get a new pope. Is that right? Correct. Okay, that was a gross overview. Of no, that was everything. good. Okay, that 
was good. You know, good job. There's a, well, you know, there, we need to know these things, right? That's right. That's right. Um, we were, I mentioned before the break, just to talk about some stuff that we've both gone through, and I've shared with my audience and my congregation that I've had some experiences, mine, mine with anxiety, and uh, you've shared a little bit about some of the stuff that you've gone through, and I, it's weird when I think about some of the parallels in our, uh, uh, how would you describe your uh, your experience? Right, yeah, and, and again, I, I uh, want to thank you for your prayers during uh, my struggles with uh, mental health. Uh, yeah, I guess it was about 2018, um, uh, now it's, gosh, been coming on four years, uh, five years, actually, that, um, you know, I was uh, dealing with some difficulties in my diocese and, you know, this, the, the, the stress of, of, of leadership, you know, the burden of leadership. Mm-hmm. And being the bishop, as you explained, you know, mm-hmm. in your good uh, summary of how the church works, um, kind of the buck stops with the bishop. You know, he's really kind of the, the last stop in the diocese. And so he has to make a lot of decisions. And, um, you know, I think what, I, what in my situation, I think I got to a point where I was trying to kind of figure out all these things on my own. Um, I had good I had good counsel from different people, but um, I began to, my, I think, I think what, Trouble started when I thought that I was the one that had to figure out all the problems, you know. Mm. One of the things I used to, it's kind of ironic, I used to tell people, another pope, John the Twenty-Third, who also is a canonized saint, used to have this prayer at the end of the night, at the end of the day, and he'd go to bed and he'd say, Lord, it's your church, I'm going to bed. <laughs> and I, I like that. And it's a great thing. Yeah. Everybody can put a, plug in whatever word you want to say and then go to bed. Well, I wasn't living that. You know, I wasn't going to bed. In fact, um, we talked about earlier before we got on the air that Pope Benedict revealed to one of his closest um, friends, a journalist, before he died, that um, his main motivation for resigning back in 2013 was that he was suffering from insomnia. He wasn't sleeping. Mm -hmm. And um, I can relate to that. You know, I remember when I, back in 2018, I was, you know, I, I just wasn't sleeping. I was trying to, I was, my mind was racing all night long. Mm-hmm. And week after week and month after month, I began to be kind of worn down. And, and then, you know, we had um, uh, some major things happen in the church um, with clergy sexual abuse and, uh, and all the pressures of that, the scandals in the church, um, and trying to figure, and then some things locally. We had to close a couple of schools. I had a young priest who died, uh, who I really hope, I was hoping to help. And um, so all these things sort of combine, you know, and, 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 and again, you know, I was trying to figure it out to sort of kind of... Uh, I call it, uh, or not me, I've heard it called it this ungodly self-reliance that we have as Americans. It's sort of part of our DNA. You know, it's up to us. We've got to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, and we can, we can figure all this stuff out. And finally, I got to the point where, you know, the anxiety uh, then kind of led to, to depression. And mm. I just said, gosh, I, I can't function anymore. Mm. And so I decided that I needed time off. And all my closest you know, confidant said, yeah, my sister especially said, yeah, you need to get away. You got to get away. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I reached out, you know, and I got help. And I, I and I, I asked, first of all, the apostolic nuncio, we were talking about the nuncio. He's the one, he's kind of my boss because he's the, the, the guy between me and the Pope. And I said, you know, Archbishop, I, I got to step away. And he said, uh, he was so good. He said, yeah, you need to get some time off. He said, uh, you don't look good. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so thanks be to God, um, I did step down. 
Archbishop Lucas stepped in from Omaha mm-hmm. and uh, was the administrator. And I thought I maybe just needed a couple months away, but it ended up being 11 months. And I got a good doctor. I had a good doctor. I had a good um, psychologist, counselor. Um, I had a good spiritual director, and I had some families that kind of. And I went to Phoenix, Arizona, mm, mm. which I needed sunshine. Yeah. And um, and about that time, after a couple months, uh, the pandemic hit. You know, which was <laughs> oh. you know I didn't I I kind of laughed at people. Yeah, I took uh, took a leave of absence for health reasons, and the whole world took a leave of absence for yeah. health reasons, mm. and so. I was down actually in Phoenix from uh, December of 2019, and I came back to the Diocese of Lincoln in November uh, mm. of, of 2020. Mm. And so I was gone for 11 months. And during that time, you know, I went through um, a, a real challenge in my life, a real dark time. But I had good people around me. I had good professional help. Mm. Um, and um, I, I got through it. You know, yeah. and uh, and I and you know there were times when I thought that gosh, maybe I'm already in the fourth quarter, so maybe it's time to just kind of, mm-hmm. you know, throw in the towel and and resign and and let somebody younger and healthier come in. And mm-hmm. I prayed through that, you know, and and there were times when I thought maybe maybe this is what I should do for the good of the diocese because you know they don't want any you don't want a leader that's not capable of leading. You know, mm-hmm. it's not good for the people of God. It's not about me. It's about the people. Mm-hmm. And then, but working through that and getting the help I did, I got, I slowly got better and stronger. And I, I felt that the Lord said, no, you know, I want you to come back. You know, you still got some years left in you. Mm. And so um, I finally came back and first year was a little bit rocky. Uh, my mother died, which was really a blow. Uh, we were very close. She died mm. in December of, of 2020, right after I came back. Um mm. And uh, I went through that, and um, and then this, and then the second year back, which was last year, just kind of got stronger and healthier. And I, I can say right now that I'm healthier and happier than I've been uh, in in memory. And wow. uh, you know, it's it's something that I think so many people uh, struggle with, and and there's a stigma about it, as you know. Yeah, yeah. And people don't like to talk about it, and they're ashamed about it, and they feel like it shows weakness, and that the mm-hmm. you know they're not supposed to show weakness. Um, but I tell people, in fact, I was just out at our high school today, uh, which is, this is Catholic schools week. So I'm at Mm. visiting all the high schools and and grade schools. And I was telling this high school kids, I said, I know it's not easy. And and if you need help, first of all, you're not alone. Mm -hmm. There's people there who love you and can help you and reach out. And, and mental health is just like anything else. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to be healthy and and there are people there that can help you be healthier, uh, mentally and psychologically. And, um, and so I think that, um, that that's, that's, that's my message to people now is that if you're struggling, whether it's anxiety, insomnia, depression, whatever it is, there are people there to help and yeah. don't, don't keep it inside. And cause we know suicide rate is yeah. really up, yeah. Yeah. you know, and I think people get to a point where they just can't go on. And I know I've been there, yeah. you know, I know what you, I know that feeling and yeah. it's like, maybe I'm better off not here. Yeah. And, and that's where you really got to say, no, there's people who. You're, you're meant to be here. You know, God yeah. loves you and there's people who love you and you're good. And, yeah. and you just, you need to reach out and get some help. You can't get enough encouragement. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I'll take one last break and then we'll come back. And uh, I, I want to hear more about uh, the things that keep you in that healthy state because these are things I'm trying to practice too. And then, uh, and if we have time, I'd love to hear about that pilgrimage. We'll see if we get there. <laughs> it's a Friendly Fire Saturday, talking with Bishop James Conley here on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. 
bringing you local voices to break down the news of the week. Friendly Fire with Stu Kurds on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Rolling along on a Friendly Fire Saturday. Glad to have you along talking with uh, Bishop James Connolly here of the Lincoln Diocese. Uh, great conversation. I want to wrap around some of the things that, by the way, everything you're saying, you just about mirrored my entire my story. You know, and, and uh, maybe the details are a little bit different, but I, I could resonate with everything you were saying. Mm-hmm. And uh, so one of the things I've become an advocate for, and by the way, for those who listen every week, yes, we'll do a shameless plug at some point, maybe. This is more important. This is my shameless plug for mental health. What are some of the things then that, uh, okay, one thing in particular, I think especially in Christian circles, all kinds of Christian circles, there is this thought that, well, if I were a very spiritual person, that I I wouldn't have this problem. And so they want to reduce every and I and I would of course there's a spiritual component to this, without a doubt. It's but there's also a physical component and there's also an emotional component and all these things are kind of working together. Uh do you uh do you find people resisting that or do they do they recognize this is kind of a a whole person kind of experience? Absolutely, Stu. I, I, uh, we are body and soul. Mm-hmm. We're not angels. If we were all <laughs> angels, you know, it would just be a totally spiritual thing. Yeah. But we are body and soul, so we're, we're we're body and spirit. And so, prayer, yes, is very important. But I I know there were some times when I hardly could even pray anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, continued to persevere, and we have to pray. We can't give up our prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know a lot of people were praying for me, and that was powerful. When I couldn't pray, pray, mm-hmm. uh, I know a lot of people were praying for me mm-hmm. and with me. Yeah. Um, but we also are bodies and, you know, God took on this human flesh and became a man in Jesus Christ. And he showed us that we also struggle in physical ways and that we need to take care of ourselves in a human way. And that means taking care of our bodies, uh, health wise, eating, sleeping, and social interaction with people, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, we, we need to attend to all aspects of our health. Like you're talking about the whole person, you know, we're so, mm-hmm. we're so much, um, we're such a, a multidimensional creature. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have all of these areas in our life that we need to take care of self care. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, sometimes I think that we could, we, we believe that we'll just pray, you know, and that'll solve everything. And and there, and that's good. We should pray. We yeah. Pray always, you know. Yes. I'm saying I'm not. I'm an advocate. I'm a big advocate of prayer. Yeah. I'm in the prayer business. Yes. But um, but we but that's that's only part of who we are. You know, we're bodies as well, and the body and soul are integrated in such a way that they complement each other. They don't. They're not separate tracks, but they intermingle. And so our prayer life and our and our human life are are commingled together. And they, they help to build up each other. And mm-hmm. so it's just like anybody else. If you're tired, you know, and you just really can't even hardly stay awake, you're not going to be able to pray, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, as much as you might want to pray. Um, but if you're rested and, um, and, and healthy physically, then it's, you're, you, can, you can pray better, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and, and our, our, we believe that the grace of God is always active in us um, and that we need to be in spiritual contact with the Lord through prayer. And that's something we always try to cultivate and get better at as we 
grow in our friendship with the Lord and our relationship, that intimate relationship that we have in our spiritual lives. Um, but, you know, God also expects us to respect this wonderful body he's given to us mm-hmm. uh, that where our, our spirit lives within and yeah. through. And so um, we can't ever separate the two and, 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 they, and they have to harmonize and we have to be integrated as, as human beings. Yeah. yeah. Anything in particular that you found to be helpful in terms of just uh, staying on the right track with those kind of things? Well, I'm still a work in progress. You know, yeah. I, I'm still learning. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I, and I find things. I'm always learning new things. Um, I'm always learning new ways to, um, to, to, to be healthy. Um, and um, like you said earlier, you know, just getting outside every day is mm-hmm. a very healthy thing to do. Even if the last thing you want to do is go out and walk in, out, out into the cold, just go force yourself to do it and walk around mm-hmm. the block. And you come back refreshed. You're better. Yeah. After doing that. Um, also, I think, too, it's healthy to kind of get away from the screens. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we are so um, locked in to our technology. I'm, I'm talking to myself, you know, um, yeah. and, and whether it be in front of the, the computer or looking at your phone, watching TV, you know, which I do all those things, you know, yeah. um, uh, especially when there's a good KU basketball game on. Uh, <laughs> But, um, you know, or Super Bowl, go yeah. Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, we have to discipline ourselves um, yeah. reading a good book. You know, yeah. um, there's, there's no substitute for that. That feeds our intellect. Um, and personal conversations with people, yeah. um, you know, face-to-face, eye-to-eye, you know, mm-hmm. human interaction. Yeah. Those are all healthy things to do because if we are not in contact with those real things, um, then um, I think it affects our soul as well, our spirit as well. Yeah, yeah. Got about four minutes left, so we've got time a little bit to talk about. I saw on Facebook that you went on a pilgrimage, and uh, that's not necessarily a a distinctly Catholic thing. Other other, uh, faith uh, faith groups and Christians go on pilgrimages, but uh, I've never been on a pilgrimage. What led to that? And just in a few minutes here, what... uh, uh, do you do you plan to do it again? Yes. Yeah, that's a great question. Pilgrimages are a long and ancient tradition, going way back into the Old Testament. You know, to Jerusalem, people would make mm-hmm. a pilgrimage to Jerusalem in the you know in the, the, the Israel the Israel people, um, the Israel nation. Um, and, and in the Christian faith, there's a long history of, of pilgrimages to holy places, places of significance. To Canterbury in England, you know, that's uh, Chaucer wrote the Canterbury Tales about the pilgrims who traveled to the, to the burial place of Thomas, um, um, Thomas Beckett, mm. um, Jerusalem, certainly. Uh, one of the places that is very ancient is the tomb of St. James um, in Santiago de Compostela, which is in the western part of Spain. Mm. There's been pilgrims that have been walking that pilgrimage from the border of France and Spain to the end of the Iberian Peninsula to, to Santiago, uh, ever since the 900s, wow. to to venerate and visit the tomb of an apostle, James mm. the Greater, and so uh, this particular pilgrimage uh, has kind of been revived over the last few decades, partly because of uh, the popularity and again people from all different faiths making pilgrimage for all different reasons, mm-hmm. um, but in the tradition of this this Christian pilgrimage to the tomb of Saint James, um, and so we walked it this summer. Um, 
and I went with a couple of my buddies, two bishops. Uh, one is the Archbishop of Oklahoma City, Archbishop Paul Coakley, and then the other was the Bishop of Gallup, New Mexico, Jim Wall. And we've done it about three times now, and mm. we take portions of it. The whole thing mm. is 500 miles long. Some people do it. It takes 33 days mm. to, do, to walk from the Pyrenees Mountains to the end. Uh, we did the middle part. Um, which is the flat part. It's like walking through Nebraska. Uh, Great. I loved it. Horizon to horizon. And, you know, you walk about five, six hours a day, um, and you meet people along the way. You eat at beautiful restaurants and drink wonderful wine. They're really known for their wine. And it's just a great way to spiritually to do something difficult, you know, with your body, walking. You know, it's all about the feet. Um, And then to pray along the way with other people. Mm. Um, and then eventually to get to the end, because we're all on a pilgrimage, sort of a metaphor for life. I mean, we're all on a pilgrimage. Mm. The end of our pilgrimage is when we meet the Lord at, at our death. And in between, we're making our way through this world. Mm. And, um, and, and, and that's a beautiful way to look at pilgrimages. Yeah. Um, we're going to do one this summer uh, in England and Scotland, which is called St. Cuthbert's Way, mm. which is on the border of Scotland and England to a shrine that uh, goes back to the time of St. Cuthbert, which is in the Middle Ages. Wow. And pilgrims have been doing that for years. Wow. Well, uh, you know, uh, I, I maybe I'm due for a pilgrimage. <laughs> that, that sounds awesome. Uh, just a, a few seconds left here today, but thank you so much for taking the time to be here and for just sharing so much, uh, again, of uh, right from your heart of what you've been going through. I really appreciate it. Well, we're all on a journey. We're all on a pilgrimage, and we're all together, and we're nobody's yeah. alone yeah. in this. We need mm-hmm. each other. Yeah. And whether we're dealing with difficulties or struggles, you know, know that um, that there's people out there that can walk with us, accompany us, accompany us on our pilgrim way. Absolutely. And uh, uh, there's nothing better than walking with Jesus. So That's right. uh, we invite all our listeners uh, to join us in a walk with Jesus. Uh, thanks again for being here today. Thank you, Pastor Kuhn. You bet. I leave you saying, as I always do, to think about it and talk about it. We'll see you next week.